you know, Juneteenth is a great time to also remind ourselves that the work is not done, right? It should be June. We our work towards freedom, towards equality, towards racial equity should be done every single day. Today is a special day to remind us uh, why, you know, why it needed to be done. In this case, you know, it took two and a half years. And so for us, I'm like, this is a daily work of love and work of service that we need to be doing. Greetings and welcome to Buzz for Good, where we talk all things nonprofit, the people they serve and the good they do. And this weekend, we are celebrating Juneteenth here on Buzz for Good with conversations with Kiana Price Marshall and Abby Hamilton with the United Way of the Roanoke Valley, who are participating in Juneteenth celebrations here in Roanoke. And I will chat with friend of the show, Bruce C. Bryan, a middle-aged white guy like me, who will talk about why his marketing agency will be closed Monday in honor of a holiday that celebrates Black American independence in the United States. I am Michael Hemphill, creator and host of the TV show Buzz, airing on Blue Ridge PBS, where we feature nonprofit organizations receiving marketing makeovers from members of the American Advertising Federation of Roanoke. And you can stay connected with us throughout the week on our website, buzzforgood.com. That's buzz, B-U-Z-Z, number four, good.com, as well as our social media channels, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and YouTube, all at Buzz for Good. And over the next 10 days, we will be celebrating the broadcast of our 32nd and 33rd episodes of Buzz on Blue Ridge PBS. This Wednesday, June 21st, our show starring the arts and economic development in Roanoke, Virginia will air at 7 p.m. on Blue Ridge PBS. And that is part five of our six episode series we are producing in partnership with the Roanoke Cultural Endowment which will be hosting a free watch party this Wednesday, June 21st at Five Points Music Sanctuary. Uh, Open to all. More information on our website, buzzforgood.com, under events. Then the following Monday, June 26th, at Grandin Theater, I will be hosting a sneak peek watch party for our next new buzz, starring the YMCA of Virginia's Blue Ridge. All are invited to that event as well as we enjoy a preview of our 33rd episode, which will formally air on June 28th on Blue Ridge PBS. I want to take a moment to thank our sponsors, the Roanoke Cultural Endowment, Freedom First, where people bank for good, that's freedomfirst.com, Partners in Financial Planning, a Southwest Virginia-based financial management firm, partnersinfinancialplanning.com, and our newest sponsor, Friendship a senior living community serving Southwest Virginia. More at friendship.us. On January 1st, 1863, President Abraham Lincoln issued the Emancipation Proclamation that freed all slaves in the Confederate States. But it wasn't until June 19th, 1865, nearly two and a half years later, when Union General Granger Gordon arrived in Galveston, Texas, did black Americans there first learn of and receive their freedom, and thus began the celebration of June 19th, Juneteenth. 
But it wasn't until the murder by white police officers of George Floyd, a black man, in May of 2020 did the Juneteenth celebration just three weeks later really gain national prominence. The following year, President Joe Biden made Juneteenth a federal holiday. So on today's Bus for Good, we're going to talk with three of my friends on how and why they are celebrating Juneteenth. All right, so it is my pleasure to welcome to Buzz for Good, uh, Kiana Price Marshall, who is Vice President of Marketing and Communications at the United Way of Roanoke Valley, and I guess her boss, Abby Hamilton, <laughs> who is the President and CEO of the United Way of Roanoke Valley. Thanks so much for both of you, to both of you for joining me. Thanks for having us. Good Absolutely. to see you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Kiana, let's start with you. How are you going to be celebrating Juneteenth? Well, I'm actually very excited uh, to celebrate with my coworkers and my family. Um, this coming Saturday, I am excited to once again head over to Eureka Park for the Juneteenth celebration that's taking place there. Um, I'm also flattered and honored that the organization I work for, United Way of Roanoke Valley, will have a booth there. And so uh, one of my kids will be volunteer with me at the booth for United Way um, at the Juneteenth uh, Family Reunion Celebration, which might not be the exact title, but I'll be at Eureka Park on Saturday. Um, this time last year, I was not a part of the United Way family, but I certainly do remember United Way being on site. Um, and so I'm excited now to, uh, to serve in that way. And Abby. Mm -hmm. You'll be part of this celebration as well. This again, this celebration is happening on Saturday, June 17th at, yes. at Eureka Park in advance of Monday's Juneteenth. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I will be there. I, I also had the pleasure of being part of that celebration last year. I had so much fun. I, I told the team, hey, I want to be there again. Mm -hmm. um, so, yes, I'll be there. I'll, I'll be able to see Kiana and her, her family. And we've got some other team members that are going to be joining us, too. Lovely. Well, um, how did this event come about? Not Juneteenth, but your celebration of Juneteenth. Yeah. Well, I, oh, go ahead. Sorry, Kiana. Oh, no, I was going to have Abby oh. <laughs> chime in as to why sure. it was important for our organization to be a part of uh, sure. the event. Yeah. Go for it, Abby. Yeah, no, I think part of what's been important and core to United Way's mission has always been about equity and celebrating the, the the diversity of our community, right? When, when we all work together, that really kind of brings out some great results. And so Juneteenth is not any different from that in, in our lens, but it's even more special because it's an opportunity for organizations like us to be able to use it as a time to not just be part of community, but to use it as a time to listen. Um, and to understand, meet people, be amongst the, the folks that, that are serving alongside us mm -hmm. and, and also the folks that we are trying to serve. So um, we have it as a holiday here in the office, just like a lot of um, nonprofits and other businesses do. And we choose to make sure that part of that celebration is us being part of community. So Abby, United Way of Roanoke Valley will also have the day off on Monday is officially celebrating Juneteenth. That is correct. Yeah. When did that come about and why? Well, I think we did it um, soon after President Biden declared it as a federal holiday. And that was in 2021. Yes. And 
And I think it also came alongside um, the fact of the work that United Way was doing around that time was really a lot of introspection as well, as Kiana mentioned, because of triggered by the death of George Floyd around our direction as an organization and where we stood in like issues of diversity, equity, and inclusion. And so part of what our findings were from that those ongoing conversations was, you know, how do we become truly part of a community? How do we truly become, um, how do we center our work around equity and social justice? And what are the ways that we can be part of communities and work alongside them to do that, to be better at it. Uh, once again, joined here on Buzz for Good by Abby Hamilton, who is the president and CEO of the United Way of Roanoke Valley, and Kiana Price-Marshall, vice president of marketing and communications at the United Way, talking about Juneteenth and all of the festivities that they have planned oh. on Saturday, June 17th, uh, in advance of the federal holiday on the 19th. And for more information, where could people go to to find out about this? Uh, well, I know that the 2023 Juneteenth Family Reunion that is being sponsored and presented by the Roanoke Cultural Collective, and you can also find them on, on Facebook, 2023 Juneteenth Family Reunion page. Mm -hmm. Excellent. Uh, looking back, how important was George Floyd's murder in this suddenly Juneteenth becoming such an event? Because, I mean... Maybe it's because I'm a middle-aged white guy, mm. but you know I don't recall Juneteenth being celebrated quite so much prior to George Floyd's murder, which happened in 2020, just a few weeks before Juneteenth. Mm. You know, it's interesting. I do believe that it's very regionalized. Um, friends of mine that grew up in Texas and um, Midwest uh, always knew about Juneteenth, and I think. Um, for us here locally, we, it, it wasn't really nearly as recognized um, as it should and celebrated. Uh, I had always known of Juneteenth, uh, but it was nothing that I would say we celebrated or recognized in the manner in which we do now. I think uh, with President Biden making it a federal holiday <laughs> two years ago, certainly also put it on the map. But, you know, celebrations for Juneteenth have gone Mm -hmm. way back as late in the late 1800s. Right. Um, but because it was in Gavinton, Texas, where it's all generated, uh, I think that's where more people were having the celebrations mm -hmm. and maybe not to the scale of what they are now, but um, I, I, I do think it's just regional. I think regionally we did not focus on it the way that it deserves to be focused uh, upon. Um, you know, some people refer to Juneteenth as uh, the second Independence Day of America, Freedom Day. Um, but unfortunately, nationally and regionally, we, we did not focus upon the way that it, it deserves to have that sort of attention. Mm -hmm. so, I, so, Michael, what I would say is you're not alone. Um, yeah. Okay, good. Yeah, you're good. not alone. I try to be somewhat up to date on yeah. conversations and... Yeah. Um, and when especially, I mean, you know, Juneteenth is really celebrating the um, slaves, former slaves in Texas, first learning about the Emancipation Proclamation, which was mm -hmm. actually uh, decreed by Abraham Lincoln in January 1st, 1863. So mm -hmm. two and a half years earlier. And so, uh, you know, I wonder why 
Juneteenth is the day that gets celebrated rather than January 1st, you know, Emancipation Proclamation Day. And well, well, because on June 19th in 1865, that's when the federal troops arrived in, in Galveston, Texas, right. to mm-hmm. announce to the enslaved people that they were free, even yes. though they should have been free. And so uh, the terminology of Juneteenth came as a, a combination of the word of June and 19th, um, mainly based on dialect. Right. Um, but but that's the date that gets is being celebrated rather than mm-hmm. January first, eighteen sixty three, when the Emancipation Proclamation was actually issued. I just find it interesting. I think I, I wonder if there's a, maybe even like Juneteenth is pretty cool to say rather than mm-hmm. Emancipation Proclamation Day. Well, because for those years you had individuals who were s- still enslaved well, like, when they yeah. shouldn't have been, and so mm-hmm. it wasn't until that day that they truly had their freedom so i think you can't really necessarily celebrate um a a day or a year prior years prior when you still had people working um and as slaves great point great point. i thought about that yeah and you know that kind of just makes me think that you know juneteenth is a great time to also remind ourselves that the work is not done right Mm -hmm. it should be June, we our work towards freedom, towards equality, towards racial equity should be done every single day. Today is a special day to remind us uh, why, you know, why it needs to be done. In this case, you know, it took two and a half years. And so for us, I'm like, this is a daily work of love and work of service that we need to be doing. Yeah. Once again, joining your request for good by Abby Hamilton. That was Abby Hamilton speaking there, uh, President and CEO of the United Way of Roanoke Valley, and Kiana Price Marshall, Vice President of Marketing and Communications of the United Way of Roanoke Valley. And together they are part of the uh, Juneteenth celebration taking place Saturday, June 17th at Eureka Park in Roanoke. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, you know, talking about that, uh, this still being kind of a work in progress. I do think it's for many, it's difficult to separate though, you know, what happened in 2020, George Floyd's murder and kind of the mm-hmm. more national significance that Juneteenth gained from that. Mm-hmm. Is that safe to say? Well, I, you actually brought this up and I kind of probably missed the point because I got on another tangent, but no, the, I, the, the, the tangent was great. The tangent you know, was great. And so you're right. Uh, George Floyd, the the murder of George Floyd sparked a, mm-hmm. a, a complete revolution in our country. It mm-hmm. it it uh, not just I think brought up June Juneteenth to be more nationally recognized, but it sparked conversations. It sparked mm-hmm. um, I mean, what organization you everywhere you turn, someone has. Uh, DEI, a diversity and equity and inclusion officer, which, you know, you didn't see that very much before 2020. Um, You know, it was out of of his tragic death, Mm. brought a whole conversation, a necessary conversation, uncomfortable conversation for some people, and hopefully results um, of of equity, of, of and in so many facets in health and education, um, equality for others. Um, and so, you know, no one, no one wants anyone to ever die, but 
by his death, I, I truly believe that it, t- it shifted our society um, in, in terms of some progress to Abby's point, we have so much further to go. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do believe that through his tragic death, so much has has come from it uh, because you can't have a blind eye when you see someone visibly being murdered um, on your phone, on the internet, on your TV screen, on the news, you know, I think, and because it happened during the pandemic when we were all still, when we didn't have 50 million things going on, when, you know, certain things didn't distract us, even though they were not important, right? Like all of a sudden, so many things in your life seem so important and then a, a, a pandemic comes to hit you and you're like, you know, those things seem trivial. Um, but I think because we were still in those moments and were able to focus on what was happening in our country and what was happening to African-American males, I, more people decided to step up and speak out and, and recognize the fact that things aren't fair, things aren't equal and just for all. And so you, you saw a movement. Yeah. Keanu, what's been the most maybe awkward conversation or the most uh, inspiring or enlightening conversation you've had, you know, since 2020 in terms of, you know, racial injustice and, you know, social justice? Well, I may not be the correct person to ask in that uh, during 2020, I did a whole series on race relations. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so um, I had lots of conversations that's uncomfortable for some people it might have been. Um, but uh, for me, I, I welcomed the opportunity at that time to use a plat- my platform to talk to a variety of individuals from all walks of life um, similar conversations that we're having right now about the death of George Floyd and what does that mean and how we all of a sudden see this major shift in conversations that when it, as it results to race relations. Um, but I felt for the first time in my life that I were, was having conversations, not just with people who look like me, um, but people of all, like I said, of all backgrounds, wanted to dive in and to have these uncomfortable conversations it was unfortunate that it took a death mm-hmm. of, a, of a of a black man to have these conversations but i do believe it was a wake-up call um for many that that needed to to see to, to yeah. experience that to see that racism is alive and well mm-hmm. um I, i've got to uh, count myself as one of those you know mm-hmm. um, just like I said, middle-aged white guy, originally from Birmingham, Alabama. So surrounded by a history of mm, racial yeah. injustice and segregation and discrimination. And I always thought of myself like internally as one who would promote, you know, social justice, but still having those conversations mm. is yeah. what, what was less and less so, but was, you know, challenging. Yeah. And, you know, it, I, <sighs> I think that moment in our history, I hope it doesn't end there. Um, like I said, I, I did a series um, on race relations called Stronger Together. And the whole point was to talk about how race and how it relates to so many aspects of our lives. Uh, conversations with white women who adopted children of color and what that dynamic is like. Uh, just a variety of topics, not just about 
racial uh, injustice or things as severe as police brutality. But, you know, there's day-to-day issues that we face, people of color, that oftentimes we either just talk about within our own circles of people who look like us, uh, with our families and friends, or we don't talk about it at all. And so I feel as though it was that one moment in time where we felt more comfortable to talk about. And then, then quite frankly, a lot of us were just exhausted uh, because you had a lot of your non-Black uh, friends coming to you saying, well, what is it like? Or what should I read? Or what can I do? And I want to do more. And it's like, well, where have you been the last, I don't know, few decades? Yeah. Um, Centuries. It was, it was also a moment of exhaustion because it was like, I need a moment. You know, this, and so, um, yeah, I, for me, uh, for me in that time, I wanted to be able to explore and talk more and hopefully uh, bridge a divide uh, because there are, there's so many individuals who just don't know. And I think it's very innocent that they don't know. And I applaud for those who want to, who want to know and, and, and understand better, but the, it can't end there, right? It can't just end with, I opened up this book and I now understand I'm an ally. I have this bumper sticker, you know, it can't end there. It's like, what do you do? Maybe not on a daily action, but what do you do as often as you can to actually bridge that divide and um you know you don't hear the conversations as much anymore and that's unfortunate and i hope it doesn't take another murder for people Mm -hmm. to to get up and get active and speak out um but i you know there's still so much that can be that needs to be done i if anything here's what i would say to to the to your followers you know don't allow for this weekend to be a time in which you just sit back and say, oh, well, the Juneteenth celebration is not for me. It's for the African-American community. By no means. This is a celebration for everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, take the time to educate yourself. Take your time to support uh, community organizations like the Harrison Museum of African-American Culture. Take your time to educate yourself and not just when it comes to Black History Month, not when it comes to just Juneteenth, uh, but truly throughout the year. And that's not just for the African-American culture. That's just for a, if you truly if you find yourself as an ally, then educate yourself to be a multicultural ally and support the different organizations and, and events that are happening and be there and be present. Your presence makes more of a difference and speaks, speaks volumes um, than not. So I would employ for, the, employ for those that are listening, who are watching, to come out to Eureka Park uh, be a part of this free celebration and 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 truly be a part of a celebration that is America celebration, mm. not just the African American communities. Yeah. Wow. Beautifully put. So beautifully said, right? <laughs> well, for those of you who are just tuning in, that was Kiana Price Marshall, Vice President of Marketing and Communications at the United Way of Roanoke Valley, who was one of the coordinators behind this Saturday, June 17th. Well, I'm a participant, not a coordinator, participant. Okay, well. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, participant in uh, this Saturday's uh, Juneteenth celebration at Eureka Park in Roanoke. Uh, Juneteenth happens on Monday, June 19th, and is a federal holiday. Joined here also by Abby Hamilton, President and CEO of the United Way of Roanoke Valley. 
who is a, also a participant in the event. Uh, so yes, you've encouraged people to come out regardless of your background, regardless of your race, come and be part of the Juneteenth celebration because it is for all Americans. Just like I was mm. saying, we probably want um, you know, Black Americans who were uh, disenfranchised and enslaved at the time of the uh, independence, uh, Declaration of Independence was signed. We we want all Americans to celebrate July 4th as well. This is another kind of part of that story. What is something that, if there's one thing that you would encourage people to do on Monday, June 19th, Juneteenth itself, hopefully many already have a, the day off, mm-hmm. what would be one thing that you would encourage people to do on that day? Well, can I just say this is the first time, and I don't want to say how long I've been in a career professional, but this is the first time that I've been off on the Juneteenth. Mm. Um, and to me, I like, I remember last year, my husband having off, uh, he worked, uh, or at the time was working for Best Buy. And I remember thinking, wow, that's amazing. That's amazing that you're that off that day. Um, the same is true. I've and, and it could be just in the field that I was in before, um, but not really. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I never had Martin Luther King Day off until mm-hmm. I started working for United Way. So did you have uh, July 4th off? Yeah, I always get exactly. Let's make that point for a second. Right. I've always had Fourth of July off, um, but I've never had MLK Day off until I started working here. This will be my very first time being off on Juneteenth. Um and so for someone that's being able to to take the time off um, on that day, um, for one, I think I will celebrate and rejoice in the fact that I work for an organization that respects um, the meaning of that day. And and, and, that, and that organization is the United, United Way of Roanoke Valley. Valley. More information yes. at UW. RV.org. Yes, uwrv.org. So yes, I will relish in the fact that I, for once in my, oh man, 20 some years in the professional world, um, have have a space, work in a space that respects uh, this holiday to give, to allow us all. So there's that. So I think for anyone that's off on Monday, um, be thankful that you work for an organization that respects what the, the meaning of this holiday. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I know for a fact that myself, and I think that if I would encourage for others, especially if you have kids, to explain what is this holiday about. Mm-hmm. Do not allow for that day to pass. If you do nothing else, do not allow for that day to pass that you don't have a conversation. Even if you don't know yourself, Google mm-hmm. Juneteenth so that you have an understanding of why on earth am I off today anyway? Shame on you if you're off on that day and you don't even understand why you're off. Mm-hmm. So I would encourage for you to take a quick Google search and to see what is Juneteenth, why is this a federal holiday, and then if you have kids, by all means, please just take 10 minutes to talk to your kids and say, here's, here's why mom, dad, grandpa, aunt, uncle, whomever, here's why I'm off today. Mm. And then perhaps have a conversation about what does freedom mean to you, mm. right? Mm-hmm. 
Because it's something we take for granted. It's something that we just assume like, ah, yeah, well, I was born with freedom and I got it. Well, you know what? Let's take for a second and talk Mm -hmm. about what does freedom mean to you? And so all these things are free. These are things that I would strongly encourage for uh, for folks to do. And honestly, even if you're not off on Juneteenth, I would still encourage you to look it up, understand what it's about. And just even if it's with your coworkers, have a couple minute conversation of, wow, can you imagine if you were working for two, three years and you didn't found out you didn't have to be, that you could have been free and what that moment must have felt like when someone came and told you, hey, you are free. You you no longer are owned by this person. Can you imagine that moment? So that that if anything, I would say just just do that. Just take the time to relish in the fact that you are free and what it meant for those individuals who did not have the luxury of freedom and how they must have felt that day when they found out you are in fact free. That is it. Mm-hmm. So that would be my recommendation. Ooh. I don't, can't top that, right? No, no. That was beautiful. beautiful. Yeah. Well, Keanu Price Marshall and Abby Hamilton, thank you both so much for coming on to Buzz for Good and talking about Juneteenth. And I wish you both a, a blessed and wonderful holiday weekend. Thank you for yeah. having us and thanks for allowing us to have the conversation. Many thanks again to Kiana Price Marshall and Abby Hamilton of the United Way of the Roanoke Valley for sharing their thoughts on Juneteenth. Next up is Bruce C. Bryan, owner of Five Points Creative, a Roanoke marketing agency who has appeared on many episodes of my TV show, Buzz. And I start off by asking Bruce, what inspired a white guy to observe Juneteenth? Bruce, how's it going, man? Michael, it's good. Thanks for letting me join you today. Absolutely. Absolutely. So let me just jump right in here with this Juneteenth. What is a white guy doing offering his company a holiday on Juneteenth? I actually um, am really proud of the fact that since we've started, um, we've had Martin Luther King Day off. So that goes back 14 Mm -hmm. um, years-ish, I think 13, 14 years. And uh, when everything kind of hit in 2020, I wanted to do things to just to to help support what was happening in our country right. and thought, well, this is one way we can do that. And so it's a very small way, but acknowledging um, Emancipation Day and acknowledging Juneteenth um, was just something I, I wanted to do. And the day has some special um if I can use that word, specialist word, I think it's a word, has some has some uh, unique value to me as a person as well. So okay. that, I guess that's why it happened. But yeah, I joke about that. I, you know, I, I get it. It's a little strange. Of course, we're on the radio. So maybe you know, nobody knows that. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, you you are a white guy. That's for sure. Um, but <laughs> yeah, <what> very. <laughs> but you say that uh, there has some personal significance. Do you mind sharing what that is? Um, not at all. So I am the father of three children. Um, one's biological, two are adopted, and one of the adoptions was an open adoption, um, and the other one was uh, was through a foster to to adopt situation. 
And that's my youngest, who's now 21 years old. But 20 years ago, um, actually on his birthday, he spent his first night uh, with us. Um, and that was up in Ohio. And uh, interestingly enough, the way it works in the foster care system, uh, there's a six-month period of, uh, where it's called foster to adopt. So the whole plan all along was to adopt him. Um, he's our youngest, he, he's a, a black kid. Uh, and um, my daughter's biracial and my son's biological. Uh, so we have all, all kinds of different hues of, of color at our, at our family. And yeah. uh, so anyway, my youngest, his uh, adoption was finalized and we went to court on June 19th, 2020, or I'm sorry, 22. So 2002. Okay. And uh, so Juneteenth was always special to us going back to that day. And I'll admit, I didn't know a ton before that day about Juneteenth, yeah. but I started learning about it and it's crazy, but it's not surprising knowing human beings and especially, sorry to say, white human beings. Um, it took a full two years between the Emancipation Proclamation and the news of the end of the Civil War making it to Texas. Two years. Mm. Um, we complain about the mail right now in the U.S. Postal Service, but two years to get the word out. Gee, I wonder why that happened, right? Right, right. All right, so you've got uh, a biological Caucasian child, a biracial adopted child and then a african-american adopted child Had, yes did you were you already i guess um racially conscious uh you know as committed to social justice at that time or did having biracial and african-american children influence your racial consciousness so michael i have been asked that question privately, but I've never been asked it publicly before. And I love that question. And if it's okay, I think the answer is both. Yeah. I would like to think that I was aware and I, I recognize and fully realize the word woke is unpopular, but if it's at all possible, I think I've had stages of wokeness over the last 20 years. Mm -hmm. And I'm happy to talk about it. I, I wrote a book during the pandemic and I, I talked about it pretty openly in the book. So, you know, to not talk about it in an interview would be kind of silly, but Michael, um, there's layers to it, right? Like I knew things are going to be different um, with the different kids. And frankly, every kid's different. You have three kids, you understand every kid's oh, different. Yes. Yeah. Um, then there's layers to the difference as well. And there were, there were differences, frankly, between um a young man of color and a young woman of color. And then the fact that my, my daughter was biracial, um, my son was African-American. He was, he was a, a black man, um, be, has now become a black man. He was a little black baby then at the time, but I knew it'd be different, but I didn't really understand. So I was aware, I was cognizant, but I can't say that I was an expert. And then over time I saw things firsthand that made me go, Oh, wow. I didn't realize that. And I've had some conversations with my son about it. And, um, you know, it's been it's been a challenge. Uh, and then when I, I read a couple books, uh, The New Jim Crow is a great book that I read. And I went, oh, my gosh, how these all pieces all fit together. And the kinds of conversations I had to have with my youngest versus the conversations I had with my eldest um, were really different. And that's when I started to realize I didn't know as much as I thought I knew. And it's uh, it's shocking and it's difficult but it's also uh, eye-opening. And so a lot of white people hate the word woke, 
Um, but it's a really good word because I do feel like I awoke one day and went, oh my gosh, I thought, and even I, of all people, should have known better. And I'm not sure I really knew better. Yeah, I hear you, Bruce. And once again, joined here on Buzz for Good by Bruce Bryan, president of Five Points Creative, a full service marketing agency in Roanoke, talking about Juneteenth, which is a holiday for his company as well. And yeah, the whole notion of woke being a negative thing I don't get it because woke comes from wake, being awake to the fact that we are in a world full of different people and that the more that we can be aware of and embrace those differences, respect those differences, the better that we can be. You know, here I am, I'm a middle-aged white guy from Birmingham, Alabama, who, you know, grew up in a suburb where there were no people of color around me. And I went through life and certainly, you know, a promoter of social justice, but it, I realized it's kind of in the abstract. And it wasn't until one of my daughters started dating a young man of color that I realized that, you know, there is still have some latent prejudice in my heart. I hear you there that when it's kind of suddenly in your family, then it brings it to a new level and you can either stay asleep, if you will, or you can woke up and, you know, Thankfully, I think we're both in that position where we're more embracing this beautifully huge world that we live in. Yeah, and I think the thing that's interesting is all it really is saying is put yourself in the other person's shoes for a minute. And I think, you know, what's a, a struggle for me is that in the church, there's a lot of um, consternation about that. And Gosh, I mean, the, the Jesus I read about in the Bible would 100% put themselves in the other person's, put himself in the other person's shoes. And that's really what this is, is try to look at things from a different perspective. Yeah. And the fact that people are digging in about this, I and mean, I'm no expert on why they are, and I, I try not to study it too much because I get too frustrated at right. it. Right, right. But, but, but I'm sure there, I'm not sure there are reasons they, that people will feel that way, but hold on a second and just put yourself in another person's shoes. And isn't that what Juneteenth is about? And, mm -hmm. you know, just like the answer is both when you said, was I aware and, and have I seen the difference? Well, gosh, if we can have July 4th off, why can't we have June 19th off? Does it really, really matter? Yeah. Um, and frankly, if a business owner says I'm going to lose a bunch of money, I mean, I'll give you an example unrelated to color in any way, shape, or form. Um, my first job in Michigan at a TV station, I hadn't calculated my days off right. And um, I remember I, I had not saved a vacation day for the day after Thanksgiving, because in college, that was always just a vacation day. And, you know, everything was closed and I just never occurred to me. Well, we had to work that day. So I had to drive with my, my little, you know, kid son on Wednesday night, four hours to, you know, visit his, my in-laws, his grandparents for Thanksgiving. And I had to wake up at five in the morning to be at the office two hours or three hours back the other way, you know, to work for a day, which frankly, I did nothing. We watched football. Nobody's going to want to talk to an <laughs> person on the day after Thanksgiving in retail. Are you kidding me? And it was a complete 100% waste of time. And I said to myself, I'm never working this day again, the rest of my career. And so, you know, I always saved a vacation day and made sure I took that day off because I had to drive back to, to the, to, you know, three hours away back going the other direction on that Friday night and then drive back four hours home on Sunday, which was just ridiculous. And I, I realize I'm preaching about the day after Thanksgiving, but the reality is we've always had that day off at this company too. 
So it's not like I'm sitting here being righteous. I'm just trying to do the right thing for our team and our company. And I'm sure it costs me money, but I don't, you know, it's not going to put me out of business. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. come on, everybody. Let's, let's try to put ourselves in somebody else's sho- right. shoes, which became more of a thing in 2020 when we realized what was happening all around us. Because I'll just say this really quickly, Michael, and I don't want to, you know, belabor and, 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 you know, delay you from other conversations you have with far more important people. But man, um, I'm going to tell you, my eldest is 35. And my youngest is 21. And I never had to talk to my 35 year old about how to behave in a target store or what to do if he got pulled over by the police. I never really worried about it. And I've had that conversation with my youngest and his best friend. And I joked about it until around about 2015. And I realized this isn't, you know, I had a little thing I would standard thing I would say to them. Um, and then I realized this isn't funny at all because this is, it's not like this is a new thing. This has been happening in America for hundreds of years. Yeah. And there's going to be an unpopular response by some people that, but it's just a fact, like it's a fact. Um, and I've seen it firsthand. I've seen how we get looked at when my one son gets looked at in a store. And I've seen how my other son gets looked at in a store and I've had things happen to my kids. I'm like, wait, that happened. And he's like, oh yeah, that happened to me. And Michael, it's shocking and scary as a father and saddening as a American, honestly. Yeah. Well, one more time here, I'm joined here on Buzz for Good by Bruce Bryan, who is the president of Five Points Creative, uh, one of the few white-owned businesses I know that actually celebrates and provides a holiday for its employees for Juneteenth. You take Juneteenth off, or your company does. Uh, is there any other meaning that goes around with that? Is it yeah, you know, so, the day off, yeah, or, I mean, or do you encourage them, or, or do they do, or you as a team do something as well? Good question. Um, we made it a point in um, 2020 and also I think it was 2021, might have been 22, but 2020, we we were like, look, we we don't have deep pockets. We can't make a big, huge donation here or there. But we intentionally built websites for some companies, some nonprofits in our area that are particularly focused on reaching out to um, children of color. And we wanted to support them. So we we put our, our heart where our, our, our mouth was. And that was a part of what we tried to do. Um, actually, technically, each of the last three years, because we've done websites for the West End Center, for Rebounding Roanoke, and for the Humble Hustle. And I'm really proud of those sites. They're great. Um, I didn't do it to get ourselves pats on the back. This is one of the first time, I think maybe the first time I've said anything about it, you know, in, in public this way. Um, but we, we do try to give back in the ways that we can. The other thing that I do, and I've done it all along, is um, I've given Martin Luther King Day off and Juneteenth now off. And I ask my team to go to the statue on First Street at the at the Martin Luther King Memorial uh, at the bridge and listen to two of two of the uh, and listen to two of the um, speeches that he's given. And they don't have to do it in January on the coldest day of the year and they don't have to do it on in late June on the warmest day of the year, but but I want them to go. And it's been really cool because there've been times where the employees have gone actually on MLK Day and my friends have seen them there, which was cool. But yeah. we don't organize that they have to go at a certain time. We just say, look, I quietly commit to making that a part of your year. Yeah, yeah, lovely. Well, because you can never hear those, you can never hear those speeches enough, you know? No, no. Well, once again, Bruce Bryan here, 
uh, owner of Five Points Creative, who's been the star of many episodes of Buzz and speaking to him today here on Buzz for Good about the holiday Juneteenth, which is on June 19th. Yeah, it's a big day and it means a lot and it's happy adoption day in our house, but it it is a day I think we can all celebrate because man, America's about freedom. And it, and if if the if, if we can't acknowledge freedom across the board, then we can't acknowledge freedom just for certain people. So um, yeah, it, it, it's a special day and time and I hope everybody has a, a good way to celebrate it. And um, yeah, Michael, the other thing I just, you know, if I can, uh, there's, if people want to read more about it, there's a book that's available on Amazon and I have some available as well. You can find me on Facebook or Twitter. It's called 40 West. The website's 40westbook.com. Uh, yeah. And it talks about some of these concepts and about Juneteenth and about adoption and fatherhood, which is also Father's Day weekend too, right? And Juneteenth, right. They're all, all kind of rolled up into one. So thank you for the chance to talk about this. I, I, um, it, it actually means a lot that you'd ask me about it. So hopefully you get some other folks perspective, but you know, um, maybe we did some good today too. Bruce, thanks so much. Happy Juneteenth. Happy Juneteenth, Michael. Take care. Thanks again to Bruce Bryan of Five Points Creative for sharing about his decision to observe the Juneteenth holiday for his employees at Five Points Creative. As I have shared in today's show, George Floyd's murder inspired, finally, many of us white Americans to ask what we should be doing to address our country's history of racial injustice. It is such a monumental, and some might say systemic, challenge that we wonder where to even begin. My own small answer was to do an episode of Buzz on the Christiansburg Institute in Montgomery County, Virginia in 2021. Founded in 1866, the Christiansburg Institute was one of the first schools created for newly freed slaves. So for the rest of today's show, I am going to share with you some of part one of our two-part episode on the Christiansburg Institute that recounts the remarkable 100-year history of this storied institution. And you can watch it in its entirety on our YouTube channel, at Buzz for Good. In 1866, Charles S. Schaefer, a Union officer originally from Pennsylvania, was sent by the U.S. War Department to Christiansburg, Virginia, to organize services for all newly freed slaves in the New River Valley. Working with Quakers from up north, and the Freedmen's Bureau. Captain Schaefer in 1866 first rented a house and turned it into a school for 12 former slaves. Within the next two years, he secured a tract of land on what he dubbed Zion Hill. There, a church was built that took his name, along with a new school building, which became known as the Hill School, where now more than 200 former slaves were being educated. So when CI was founded, it was not called Christiansburg Institute. It was called Christiansburg Schoolhouse Number One. Uh, and then within the next 15 to 20 years, we see the Christiansburg Institute name attached to the school. Uh, but that name then shifts 
uh, right when the Freedmen's Bureau, right, which was abolished shortly after uh, the Civil War, it was charged with, you know, land acquisition, uh, representation for African Americans in the legal system locally here in Montgomery County. Uh, when that happened, CI lost federal dollars, right? Uh, Department of War was no longer supporting the school. This is where we see the entry of Booker T. Washington. Uh, there's a Quaker group in the north who acquires the deed to the buildings and the land of the school, and they hire Booker T. Washington as his supervisor, uh, overseeing CI. When Booker T. gets involved, the name changes to Christiansburg Industrial Institute. So the school began uh, with a very strong religious background and a classical education, mathematics, English, uh, science, when the school grows to an expanded campus in 1895, its name changes to Christiansburg Industrial Institute. Booker T remodels the school literally directly after Tuskegee Institute, right? And he appoints his top graduates, class of 1895, from Tuskegee to come to Christiansburg and remodel, develop the school, grow it to become, again, that 185-acre campus. CI is very unique because they gained control of their own institution and so they were able to figure out what education looked like for them and initially it was generally a liberal arts style education or what some people consider to be a classical style education and then as Booker T. Washington stepped in to figure out what would be best for CI uh, it moved toward industrial-based education, an opportunity for the community to practice vocational trades and become self-sufficient. CI was the only high school that was educating black folks for a very, very long time. And there's, of course, reasons why. We know those reasons why. Uh, and so we had students coming from North Carolina, uh, from Tennessee, in addition to from across the state. Now we know CI later in its life uh, was a boarding school. So students could live on campus and then go to their classes, which would have been in 15 different buildings, in addition to taking buses daily from Pulaski, from Wake Forest, from City of Radford, even from Roanoke. To assist in the transformation of the school into one focused as much on vocational instruction as classical education, Booker T. Washington in 1896 brought three of his newest graduates from the Tuskegee Institute. Charles Marshall, who was tapped as school principal. His friend, Edgar A. Long, who took over after Marshall's untimely death in 1906. And Anna Patterson, who would become Edgar Long's wife and principal after his death in 1924. So uh, we view Edgar Long as a master organizer who was able to, to talk to multiple audiences and then also make sure that the education of black people in the South uh, was being centered and being met. Uh, in addition to Edgar Long, the building that remains and stands in his name, this is one of the last remnants from CI's 100-year life. We know that there were up to 15 buildings that were at the school. Uh, of those 15, Edgar Long Building is the only one named after an African American. So his legacy as a statewide educator, which he was active across the state, uh, teaching not just students, but training other educators as well who were coming to CI, staying on campus, and working with Edgar Long to promote CI and do other examples of CI across the South here in Montgomery County, Southwest Virginia, and across the state. What is the way forward? How can education be used to solve the problems that we were facing at that time and, and how can it help us to achieve our vision for the future? And I think when we see 
a lot of the commitment that is still there, it ties back to that self-determination. You know, the ability to define oneself, the ability to think about a collective vision for the future and figure out how to get there ourselves. Christiansburg Institute's self-determination extended far beyond education. While Edgar A. Long held a statewide reputation as an educator, he also brought his tremendous community organizing powers to meet other needs of black Americans. So we know that Charles Marshall died of acute appendicitis, which we know is a preventable disease. Because he could not be serviced locally, uh, overnight his appendicitis became acute. There was a train that could have taken him to the only black hospital in Roanoke, but that train had left. Uh, and so in that time period is when his appendicitis uh, became worse and eventually took his life. So Edgar Long, in partnership with the local community, both black and white, right, and uh, Northern funding coming from the Quaker group, they built the Christiansburg Colored Hospital. This was a state-of-the-art facility right here in Christiansburg that was serving black folks. It was also an interracial staff. This literally came from like the spirit and raw energy and power of Edgar Long wanting to meet a real community need, a real material need in the now uh, as a direct response to an injustice, a loss of a friend that didn't need to happen. Uh, and so when we talk about the school, we talk about the farm, we talk about all the learning, we also talk about CI was meeting a need beyond just the learning and the academic, right? This was a hospital, this was a community that was uh, feeding and caring for black people from across the state. In 1954, the U.S. Supreme Court issued its famous Brown versus Board of Education ruling that declared segregated schools were unconstitutional. But it wasn't for another 12 years before public schools in Southwest Virginia fully integrated, marking the end of Christiansburg Institute's century of service to black Americans. So we know um, the school closed in 1966. Uh, the Friends Freedmen Association approached the Montgomery County Public School Board in 1934 to deed the land and the buildings to the school board with the one condition that the land itself would be used in the perpetuity for the advancement of the Negro race. The school board was not okay with that one condition. They entered into a 10-year lease agreement, 1934 to 1946. Fast forward, 1946, the school board acquires all the land and all the buildings, the deeds themselves. They organize a board of control with representation from city of Radford, Floyd, Pulaski, and Montgomery County, all white administrators who are now overseeing and operating the school. Fast forward to 1966, the land is divided into 16 lots. Uh, 15 of those lots are sold publicly at auction, and the 16th lot is where the Montgomery County Public School Board builds the new Christiansburg High School, okay? So 15 of those lots today represent a Waffle House, the Christiansburg Rec Center, an entire Vista Via townhome development, the Oak Tree residential development, all of that formerly was CI's sacred ancestral land that made up that nearly 185 acre campus, uh, which today has been, has been profoundly developed and reduced to 4.4 acres of original campus property owned by the Christiansburg Institute Alumni Association and the historic Edgar A. Long Building. That takes a lot of resources and if you don't have the overall community investment, then it doesn't happen. So that is a huge struggle for trying to preserve buildings like CI. And too often what ends up happening is that underrepresented communities like the African American community here in the New River Valley ends up having to try so hard 
to get the majority community to see the value in something that's important to us. And if they can't connect to it, if they don't see that value, then it's easy for them to dismiss the whole community and say, no, we're not gonna pursue this. We have other things that we want to do with those funds or other things that we think are more important. And so then CI would be left behind. And it's such an unfair situation, right? It's not a situation that uh, we created, yet we are in many ways having to suffer and, and really, really push for somebody to care. And um, we just shouldn't have to do that. Uh, so there's legislative reasons that we know why uh, CI closed. Uh, I think to put it just truthfully and simply, I just don't think people cared. I just think there was a lack of value, uh, a lack of appreciation for black culture and black life and black history and the achievements of black people that have been happening for a full century. Uh, right here, we're, we're largely ignored. Uh, and today we still continue to fight and challenge that narrative. So the, the inequity is very clear. If anyone wants to come to us and say, what is the longest lasting physical uh, indication of uh, slavery in Jim Crow South and racism, it is the under-preservation and under-resourcing of black history, period. People need to be asking black people, what do you need and how can we support that? And I think what's really key there is most often, we find people who want to lead alongside us. But in this work, we believe that those who are closest to the issues tend to know the solution, right? Those who are most directly affected. So what we need people to do is, oh man, Black Lives Matter, anti-racism, what do we do, this legacy of Jim Crow and slavery. Uh, well, I work with folks who lived during Jim Crow, and those folks still have uh, dreams and desires and aspirations, right? And my generation too, we have dreams and desires and aspirations. So I think people need to uh, look locally, look grassroots, uh, and go, okay, where are black people moving uh, in Montgomery County and what needs are they articulating? And have I asked? Or have I just assumed to know, right? I think that's extremely, extremely important right now. The best thing any advocate and ally can do, right, is to redirect resources to black-led movements, right? And we don't need the leadership. We need the resources and for you to trust our leadership because we have the leaders, man. You know, we have the leaders, man. These are people who are deeply, deeply invested in this community long before people were talking about anti-racism and talking about Christian Brigands too. The elders have been here doing that, right? So I think there's like a sense of like uh, duty. I think there's a sense of um, uh, a commitment to honoring uh, those who came before us and then challenging these systems that prevented us from growing in the past which are still active today, so we can make sure we don't repeat those same mistakes, right? And we can build together, and we actually can envision a real, actual, better Montgomery County that does meaningfully preserve and respect and affirm all of its history, not just the Confederacy, and not just the one side of the Civil War we often uh, are, are told, right? And CI is in that narrative. CI is a 100-year model of black life. It is. It is state history, right? We need, we need the people to, to understand that and to come behind that and start saying that with us, right? That is where we see people power in grassroots organizing. And that will do it for today's Bus for Good. Stay connected with us throughout the week on our social media channels, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and YouTube all at Buzz for Good and our website, buzzforgood.com. 
I hope to see you this Wednesday at our next watch party for our newest buzz starring the arts and economic development and the following Monday, June 26th, for our next new buzz featuring the YMCA of Virginia's Blue Ridge. More at our website, buzzforgood.com. And until then, I wish you all a meaningful and happy Juneteenth.